Hi everyone. Welcome to Happy Tears. I'm Brandon. And I am Nick, and this is Happy Tears, a podcast where two sensitive boys talk about the art that they love, so much so that it often brings them to tears. This is the first time that we have done this podcast not in the same room, and it's going to affect the quality. (laughs) That is the truth. So yeah, we're working through some of these uh, quarantine, shelter-in-place times. We're talking about a beautiful movie today by the name of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And we're staying home and we're washing Mm -hmm. our hands. So join us, but stay home as we review Portrait of a Lady on Fire and this is Happy Tears. Happy Tears has been uh, down, I guess. We've, We've been offline for a little while trying to get our bearings on how the world's going. We're starting to figure out how to produce the podcast remotely. Uh, this is our first attempt, so there may be some funky audio quality on this one, but we're figuring it out. So thank you for bearing with Just us. doing our best over here. But as always, we start every podcast with recommendations for things that we're watching and listening to and consuming on a week-to-week basis. It's been a while since we've done this, so I imagine you've got some stuff. Yeah? I believe I do. All right, so yeah, so there's a uh, a band called Perfume Genius. Really, it's just, you know, one guy, but he goes by Perfume Genius. And his last album uh, called No Shape was really, really fantastic and produced by Blake Mills. And I was really happy to see that the new album that he has releasing on May 15th titled set my heart on fire immediately is also going to be produced by Blake. Blake plays guitar on this track as well, but it's a really, really cool, has a really cool groove to it. The guitar sound is super cool and the, uh, has kind of this like slippery nature to it, but I, I love the guitar dynamics in the track. Part of it almost reminds me of like a superstition Stevie wonder kind of vibe, really fun track. And he had another single, called Describe, I believe, that I also really like. So just super looking forward to this album. Yeah, and then there's a an album that turns 10 years old, I believe on the day that this uh, podcast will go out, by the lead singer of Sigaros. His name's Yonsi, and that's J-O-N-S-I. And he has an album called Go that I have also just been listening to and just remember. I hadn't listened to it in forever, so it's just been kind of remembering how much I love that album and how sad I was that I missed the tour for this particular album because it had like some really innovative uh, production and really cool visuals and like theatrical elements that I really, really wish I could have seen. And I'm pretty sure I missed it for, for football or something, but I was, uh, it was a sad day. That's a bummer. Not to bring anyone down. Go listen. It's a happy... It's a mostly happy album. <laughs> just, just like real sonically dense, a lot of instruments, a lot of songs that have this kind of uplifting quality to them. So it's a fun album. Uplifting is something that I would say a lot of us might need right now. So I'm going to listen to that later. Yeah, for me, as far as music goes, um, a listener reached out. Honestly, it was about a month ago now, but we really just haven't had a regular recording schedule since. Yeah. And he was telling me how much he loved the uh, 
Dan Deacon album, the one that just came out. That listener's name was Ryan S. Lynn. Uh, sent me an email and I checked out that album and it's really fun and very kind of ethereal and uh, atmospheric and big and I like a nice big sound so I'm going to throw this song called Become a Mountain it's the first track on the album Mystic Familiar by Dan Deacon on our playlist yeah I like that album a lot as well and it kind of is similar to um, well just I guess a lot of Dan Deacon's work has that kind of like, there's a lot, it's really big and there's, it's like big, bright, a lot of things going on. And it's kind of similar to that. Some of those tracks on the Yonsei album where it's kind of feels like, you know, it's balancing a bunch of sounds at once. Perfect pair. Any other recommendations? I know you've been, you've had this exercise going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The other day, um, you know, we got sort of, sort of a surprise release from Childish Gambino. He had done, he had put his album out on this website and just kind of looped it for a day or like half a day. Um, and then did a actual release on all the major platforms. And so we got together with a bunch of friends on like a Google Hangout and did a virtual listening party. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and it was only like five or six of us. And I had already listened to the album like three or four times by then. But some of us were listening to it kind of for the first time. And we got to listen and comment and commune all, you know, from the safety and comfort of our own homes. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, I yeah. mostly like the new Childish Gambino album. The more I do listen to it, the more some of the luster wears off a little bit and, and I'm seeing some of the the holes. But um, I still do love it. He's my favorite person. <laughs> and so <laughs> um, I think I'll probably throw up. Uh, I, I just love the last track. Don't throw up. <laughs> <laughs> I might vomit this track onto our playlist. <laughs> um, and and we should be doing more of these, right? Yeah. I mean, you and I had talked about doing one Sunday, which is tomorrow as, as of this recording. But when this podcast goes out, this will have already passed. But we're going to do the, uh, the Erica Badu album because that's got a 10-year anniversary also, correct? Yep. New America Part 2. Yeah. Which is funny because uh, our our cool local radio station KXT, I was uh, drive driving yesterday and it was on on that. Other than music, you know, I I think I may have mentioned this on the podcast that I've been doing a uh, a Hayao Miyazaki anime movie marathon over the last month and a half. Yeah, I have the box set. He's done eleven films. I've watched all of them at this point. I'm now going back through and watching them again because I love them so much. Ponyo loves Sosuke and Ponyo loves Ham. And that's all I have to say about all of that. That's good. <laughs> um, I don't want to touch news this week because all of the news is terrible. <laughs> that's and fair. I'd say we should just dive into this movie, shouldn't we? Yes, I would agree with you. So by some sort of beautiful serendipity, this movie kind of got surprise released on Hulu right in time for us to watch this again before recording this. So we have both watched this twice now. Yes. We always wish that we could do that before every, everything that we, uh, and we have several times, but uh, just really happy. I'm, I'm super glad because it definitely was beneficial for this discussion, but also just gave me uh, kind of a new outlook. I remember talking about the, the film earlier in uh, our year in review or like best of podcast yeah. and 
just going in and kind of having a funny mindset in the theater for a little bit and was having a hard time like connecting at the very beginning of the movie but was not the case this time so yeah so portrait of a lady on fire is a french film from director celine schiama uh it's got kind of a a weird release story i guess right i mean it came out kind of early 2019 uh in the festival circuit um but didn't go on wide release until early this year i think you and i saw it in february is that right i believe so yeah um, and then it was in the, you know, it was only in theaters for a couple weeks because it's a foreign film with not a lot of marketing or anything behind it. Um, you and I got to get a chance to see it at our local Alamo Draft House. Correct. It's now streaming on Hulu, and it is a beautiful and heartbreaking. How do you say? Like, uh, there's just so much truth in this story about life and about. I feel like I've learned a lot about womanhood and sexuality, and and there's just like relationships. Yeah, I, this film is like the definition of like contains multitudes, you know. <laughs> yeah, all contained within kind of a singular setting, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. Here's the very basic description from Letterboxd. Very simple. On an isolated island in Brittany, at the end of the 18th century, a female painter is obliged to paint a wedding portrait of a young woman. It's really the story of these two characters. There are some side characters and a little more minor uh, people throughout the story, but the bulk of it is these two people, uh, Marianne and Eloise. And they are played by uh, Naomi. I don't know how to say this exactly, but I'm going to try Naomi Merlan and Adele mm-hmm. Heinel. I don't know how to say the names. They're French. That's great. It's basically the story of a woman who is uh, hired to do a wedding portrait of this other woman. Well, Eloise is to be wed, and uh, part of tradition is for the uh, groom to be presented this wedding portrait of his bride. Marianne's character is hired by Eloise's mom to come do this kind of secretly. She has just got gotten back from a convent and she is not one that like wants to be painted for this. So she's supposed to be a kind of just like a, f- a friendly partner, but also make sure she's doing a- okay and then try to paint kind of on the side. This relationship kind of buds from there, I guess. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to. Yeah, we don't want to give too much backstory and, and ruin it. I think uh, later in the podcast we should have some spoiler talk. Cool. But um, before we get there, this movie starts out in a very interesting way. The character of Eloise, which is the one that is uh, being painted throughout the film, at the beginning is is kind of a mysterious figure to us right uh we only we hear a lot of characters talk about her before we ever see her and even the first scene she is in she's hooded and kind of under this shroud of clothing and um i love the way that the director celine schiama builds this tension and this kind of mystery around this character although we we see her pretty soon after the you know these uh, discussions about her right. but uh, the way that she's revealed I think is is very titillating For which sure. is which is a great way to describe this movie in in a larger sense right it's this is a very sensual tactile film yeah 
and I love the way that these two characters kind of come together. Uh, there's an element of mystery to it. There are these weird power dynamics that play throughout this entire film, and right off the bat, you get the start of, of that that game that they kind of play with each other, and it's very fascinating. That was one thing upon second viewing that I thought was really interesting because of the the mystery of Eloise's character. You're kind of trying to catch up, figure her out, and her intentions kind of throughout the, the film. And the, the second time around, I was definitely able to dive more into like or i guess just notice already knowing kind of how she's feeling because uh, having seen it once uh notice the nuances a lot more in and her performance and her intentions and stuff as a character that i thought was um kind of made the second viewing come alive in a different way than the the first viewing so i thought that was really really cool and and that's you know definitely attributed it to the writing and creativity of the director Celine Sciamma. Yeah, for sure. And I love I love these two characters. Um I love especially on this second viewing, kind of like you just said, I loved watching Marianne's character. You know, she's a painter and you watch she's got those giant eyes, right? And yeah. you get the like I love watching her. She's like so present in every scene in this movie and she's just she's like a hawk like watching, observing, trying to absorb kind of everything around her, but very specifically she's she's like watching Eloise because that's her uh subject. You talk about power dynamics, you talk about this kind of cat and mouse game between them that kind of starts especially as this relationship grows and becomes very meaningful by the end of the movie. Um uh, just watching how it starts and how they're there's advancing and retreating and uh yeah like a definitely dynamic energy between them two i guess you'd say yeah and it's it's the most exciting slow movie (laughs) that i you know i've ever watched right like it's it's just uh, it's fun watching them uh communicate and interact absolutely so brandon i love this movie I know you do too. What what number was it? Your number one or your number two? It was my number. It was my number two, tied for one. It was kind of hard. I had a hard time figuring out because I I do think that Parasite it's it's one of those like person personal versus kind of a overall like I think this movie will mean more to me for sure than Parasite does. But watching Parasite was also an incredible film going experience and and the movie is crafted extremely well much like this one but so they're kind of tied up there for me and i just like them for different reasons for sure yeah tess was trying she and i was were talking about she was asking if this was better than parasite and i was like "Ah, you know it's so hard to say i yeah i think the way i kind of landed was well let me say it this way parasite is is a wonderful movie that's of this time that is very much about specific injustices and uh, dynamics within the world we inhabit today I think that Portrait of a Lady on Fire is A, just a beautiful story, but I think it is timeless and has some universal truths that will stand up against any era not to say that Parasite doesn't have aspects of that, but I think at the very heart of this movie I feel like this movie is on the level of like Moonlight, which is one of my all-time favorite movies in that I feel like it changed me in a lot of ways or it changed my perspective on 
um, uh, on the world, but specifically on women and the women in my life and kind of the history of, uh, of what it means to be a woman in the world, right? Because yeah. uh, both of these women have to figure out how to live in, in a world where they are secondary, right? And, and their, yeah. their desires are always going to come second to a man's. And in a lot of ways, that has been true for all of history, <laughs> even up till today in, in some ways, right? Yeah. You know, a, a lot of the early part of this film is centered around anger. Uh, you know, Eloise is so angry. She, she at least at the beginning, is very defined by her, like, rage. And, you know, it's like, it's something that we all kind of become aware of as we get older, that, like, women are paid a certain percentage, less for the same job than men, and even less for women of color. I'm talking about, obviously, in today's time. <laughs> but I don't know that I've ever seen a movie or any piece of art that, like, made me understand the, like, kind of quiet anger that are completely justified in having if they have that. If that makes sense, and and this movie handles that with such precision. Like I I I watch this movie and I think, if I were a woman, I would be angry all of the time. And I think in a lot of ways we are watching two women deal with the world in two different ways because one of them is being essentially sold, you know, into a marriage that with a man she doesn't know, has never seen, and we watch another woman who is an artist that. You know, we come to find out that her father was an artist and, uh, you know, definitely at the time of this, there were no really famous women artists because men either steamrolled them or got the credit for, for what have you. So um, there's there's just so much of this movie that, that speaks to the kind of ancient struggle of women in such a profound and beautiful way that it really kind of changed me in some ways. And I'm kind of ashamed that it took a movie like this for me to like – for that light bulb to kind of go off in my head. Obviously, I know that, have always known that there are injustices and there's not a true equality in terms of pay gaps and, and things like that. But um, I don't know. I just feel like I, I learn a lot from this movie. It was mind-blowing. I don't know. I think on on top of that, because it, it's just like a friendship that I kind of hadn't seen. And then obviously, like, there's more to the relationship that develops. But I just, I guess, hadn't seen something like this on film that it was done so it seems like you're talking about the precisions there but there was none of these like tropes that you often see i think in in films like this to where like there was always something that was surprising to me i i did think another character would come in and uh cause a conflict in this and it right that character never came or like there was things like that that i just i really really appreciated that how this because there's some mystery wrapped up in the beginning like you said we don't know like Eloise has also dealt with the tragedy so there's that element of it as well you didn't really know how the characters were going to respond to each other and as we said earlier like Marianne's you know holding a secret from her and so we were kind of wondering how Eloise was going to react when she found out and all those things and I just think that every single at every point um, and every point of their relationship was just handled really beautifully on screen. And the more I watch it, the more I pick up on just a lot of those kind of uh, just really the subtleties and 
nuances of their performance, like watching one character while the other is doing something uh, that you know didn't catch on first um, first viewing and stuff like that. That I just think is just a really you can tell that an extraordinary amount of care went into into directing and like creating this. And, and and the cinematography, we haven't touched on that yet, but it's the same thing. It's just like it's all really beautiful and precise, but also feels feels natural. Yeah, I read an, uh, an Indie Wire review of this movie where David Ehrlich, one of my favorite critics, basically said that every frame of this movie could be hung up in a gallery. You know, like it's just it's gorgeous. And it's just so – I mean it, it's – funny because like obviously this is about uh you know a painter and the relationship with painter and their subject and the film revolves around a painting and then like you said the cinematography reflects that and its positioning of characters and the way that i think even just the way that like one of the the characters would be laying on their side it just like represents like a lot of these classical paintings you see them in these kind of positions there's a at points there's a little bit more of a modern element to it but just like even the way they all sit at a a table and the way that things are kind of like positioned on the table like i can imagine that being like a like a last supper type painting or the way that a sheet the way like the sheet drapes over oh yeah um because there's a lot of like drapings and stuff in this and it just like you just said that reminds me a lot of like classical paintings and stuff this movie has such a maybe reverence is the right word for like form right like the like posture and and like you said it feels very painterly throughout and you see like we mentioned the i think i said the word tactile earlier this this film is a something we mentioned when we did our our uh best movies of the of the year recap is that this film doesn't have a score other than very few musical moments um, right so when we're in the room with them we're hearing every sound like this time the second time watching it i really noticed the like anytime they would move or bend their dresses which are you know cinched tight you would hear them kind of creak and you'd hear those sounds and anytime they touch or handle anything every brush stroke on the on the painting on the canvas is uh you hear and feel all that and then the camera in the same way you know follows hands in a beautiful way or looks up to a face i mean there's there's not a ton of crazy camera movement or anything like that it's all very natural naturalistic but the way that we look at and feel the forms of all these things and hear them as well is is just really masterful yeah and i think it just it like heightens the the sensuality of the the film from all of those things you're just saying like i'm i'm thinking of like how you hear each of them breathing just like the footsteps the crackling of the fire i think is a huge one like the leaves rustling, the waves when they're out by the ocean have this, um, at points, like this really big, huge, like natural force to them. Like all those things that you might miss with this emotional score in the background. I don't know. I think it's just really, the way that you're able to hear all those things I think is really effective and is perfect for the kind of sensual nature of the film. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's only a couple things I want to touch on before we do spoiler talk. I don't know if, what your notes look like, but um, I think definitely mentioning there is a particular scene where 
the story of the Greek tale of Orpheus and Eurydice is is brought up, and that's kind of a running thing throughout the film. Uh, that that becomes this incredibly beautiful uh, piece of symbolism. The only the only other big thing I I feel I should praise is that this script it's like kind of perfect you know like aside from just like kind of the broad stuff of there's not really a lot of plot hole there's no real plot holes or anything and the narrative is tight right like every scene moves the story forward every time a character does something it feels warranted it feels motivated that that's all right. great and it's all perfect but there are like there are at least like four or five like perfect one-liners and zingers and <laughs> movie quotes that I'll like never forget absolutely and I kind of want to say one but I feel like I should hold off so maybe when we get into spoilers I'll I'll bring up one or two lines but it's just like so beautifully written and it's in French like I can't, it's not even in my language and it's so poetic yeah. you know it's ah, it's so great I would agree with you there's several there's several of those that ring ring so true and are just delivered flawlessly and uh just perfect for the predicament that the characters are in totally agree with that and then you mentioned the cinematography but the colors of this movie are just so beautiful the yeah. blues and reds and yellows greens too like but specific greens right, right? like the color of the dress mm -hmm. yeah so maybe bef before we transition into uh the spoiler discussion my final pitch to people that might want to check this out is if you're looking for a movie with a like perfect script, beautifully shot, like every every scene is just gorgeous visually. The sounds like there's not really like there's no score per se, but there are a couple of musical moments that are absolutely breathtaking, right? Yeah, stunning for sure. And uh, it it really is just this beautiful, wonderful story. There are some very emotional moments throughout that are gripping, and uh, it's 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 definitely one of the best movies of last year, and maybe of the like last ten years. It's just it's breathtaking. So people need to go watch it, and then come listen to us talk more about it when we do our spoiler discussion. And I don't know, like I had so many happy tears through this movie as I know you did also but I don't know how to talk about any of them without spoiling it so I think we'll do those in the spoiler section as well yep uh, okay so yeah turn back now if you have not seen this movie or if you don't give a shit about spoilers then perfect do all lovers feel as if they're inventing something I have that written down as well what a line line of the century that's what I wrote down <laughs> That whole that whole dialogue between them in that scene is is amazing. Well, and that's something that maybe I should have talked about before we got to the spoiler part, but I don't care. Since most of the scenes are just two people talking, um, especially all all the scenes where she's actually posing and painting are incredible, and the way that they have this sort of back and forth. I especially love the scene where Marianne, the painter, tells. Eloise all these things about her like kind of calls her out on all her like visual like ticks or giveaways or tells yeah. and then Eloise throws it right back in her face and he's like well you do this when you're angry and you do like right. I, I'm watching you just like you're watching me just this I love the dynamic between these two it's incredible oh it's perfect that's a that's a I think a really important moment where the tables seem as they've turned and or at, at least been um uh 
exposed because you have that dynamic sh- shifts there and 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 you know that kind of of, of Eloise's posture like she she has been just as much the observer as Marianne has and uh, I think that's a really cool it, that scene was a really cool way to expose that absolutely so all right so now that we're in the spoiler part of the story we can maybe say more explicitly this is one of the most beautiful romances i've ever seen on screen absolutely i I totally agree the stuff i was saying about feeling like i've learned a lot about the female experience that is it's just like one of those truths that has been kind of true for a millennia or whatever kind of the 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 anger of women not that all women are angry or, or what but you know what i'm saying like like the justifiable rage that i feel like i might have if i were a woman and didn't control my own fate like these women definitely didn't in the 1700s i feel like there's a huge aspect to this movie about the homosexual experience and you know the big revelation for me or another big revelation for me was like kind of the quiet subdued like tension that in a lot of ways this movie reminds me of you remember high school science class and talking about like potential and kinetic energy yeah <laughs> like so much of this movie is potential energy until these women recognize that they've like kind of fallen for each other and it like explodes into this like passionate affair, this kinetic energy, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that really blew me away that was kind of eye-opening for me was to put this in the lens of, of like what it must be like to be a closeted gay person in society and how there's so much emotions I'm sure that come like probably anger probably fear probably you know there's some shame but also desire right which is like kind of at the heart of all of that and how like this movie captures that so palpably and in a really heartbreaking way the thing that just kind of destroyed me was and again this is just a movie that has made me think about other people's experiences in a way i've never considered them before and that's a part of why i love this movie so much but just the idea of someone repressing or suppressing themselves right in any in any given way but specifically like the like these two these two women who fall in love just the the way that passion has to be subdued at times right it's like this affair they had was so necessary because they have this fire inside them that would like completely consume and destroy them if they continued to suppress it yeah i just i think along with that how i was talking about how like things that a lesser movie might have done earlier like i could imagine a lesser movie going in and having someone catch them or like uh some sort of conflict comes up over like them getting caught and then this like specific relationship being a, a taboo and a big deal and all that but all of that's like left out and you get i think you get the uh emotional hit of that sort of like suppression so much stronger than having the trope of like someone walking in and being uh surprised at this you know and it becomes this scandalous sort of situation it just like it made all the right all the right choices i feel like absolutely do you want to talk about any particular scenes now that we're in the spoiler section i mean there's just so many that i just kind of like gasped at uh, throughout <laughs> that it was just like just incredible scenes i i think of one of just like 
how you were talking about how the camera would kind of move in specific ways or even just their positioning and, and stuff. And so like there's one where they're real close together. And I think this comes after Marianne goes in and nuzzles her head and, and Eloise's like neck. The frame kind of goes to a close up of their heads like going to lean on each other. And then their positions change and one of them's behind the other. And you you just see from like the chest up of both of them in a frame and the the camera is static here. And then all, like all of a sudden you see the hand come in from the bottom of the, the frame, like across the other's chest. And it's like yeah. just an amazing, um, I don't know. It's like things, all of those like small details uh, and moments like that, that are just like kind of had that, emotional melting quality to them but but on two different levels on like a technical and artistic level but also on this like um you know sensual relationship level that i just thought was just just really great well and i feel like this movie is so smart and that it kind of trains the viewer to notice things like that yeah from the very first scene where marianne's teaching like a painting class mm-hmm. and she's talking these young artists through like notice me look at this make sure you're looking make sure you're watching and then we watch marianne through this whole story noticing things and we watch her eye those giant eyes just just watching like a hawk and and i feel like i was most attentive watching this movie because the movie had sort of trained me to do that and and we talk about like how the eyes are such a big part and the gaze uh are kind of such a big part of this you know i think the director's intentions was shifting this like normal uh male gaze to kind of like this female gaze and just like specific parts that i i thought that were like directly related to eyes that were really interesting and and um i kind of had that sort of like gasp when they happened was like uh, Marianne's like positioning Eloise and kind of perfectly how, however she like wants to paint her and she you know does the positions her hands and then kind of encourages her to put her chin up a little bit and all of this and she goes back to the canvas and looks and Elo- it goes back to a frame of showing what she's about to paint and Eloise is kind of looking to the side and then she kind of darts her eyes just to, to look straight at Marianne and just that eye movement is just like captivating. It's like a breathtaking moment for the character. Yeah, right? you see, like yeah, she that's, has this pause. It's beautiful. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. We see we see those just small interactions. Like we feel them as a viewer, but you see how the characters feel the that same that same way. So it's just really really beautiful stuff. The way that they like interwove the Orpheus Eurydice story, I think was really smart because I can imagine another film doing that and it being like, like setting up the narrative too narrowly or it coming in and you getting like, oh, this is what the rest of this film is going to play out like because it, it sets up this like Chekhov's gun of sorts because it's revealed but what i think is the most interesting is when you have we should bring up i think sophie's a really really great character and i love the dialogue between all three of these characters and there and she has some really amazing moments in this as well but like i felt that having them all three read this they 
they read it, they read the story out loud together, and then they repeat a certain part from the the story. And then they all have three different perspectives on it, which I think is super, super interesting when it comes back to the end. I think it just adds dimensions to what what the kind of finale of this film represents, I guess. Totally. And when we talk about these like kind of one-liners or, or great lines in the script, I loved Marianne's take on that when she she basically says to paraphrase that when Orpheus turned around instead of choosing the lover's path he chose the poet's right right and and i a i think that's a beautiful sentiment and it's just so it's poetic in its own right right <laughs> and uh yeah and i think you're absolutely right about sophie being a great character and some of my happy tears moments actually have a lot to do with her there's you know there the the abortion stuff throughout this whole movie is so uh provocative and and you know it it very make very much made me weep like a baby so yeah again adding another element like right after uh marianne says that eloise says or maybe eurydice called you know was the one who called orpheus to turn around and kind of adds a new dynamic to that story which is reflected in some ways at the at the end so it's just like well yeah and i love throughout basically from that moment throughout the movie up until the end which which kind of mirrors that that story right yeah it's one thing that i didn't quite understand the first time we watched but but now on the second viewing you know there's those few moments where marianne's like walking through this old house and kind of pauses and behind her this kind of ghost-like figure of Eloise shows up and she in both uh, two separate instances she pauses and turns around and there Mm -hmm. she is it's like this vision of the future which we don't really understand that upon first viewing right but um it's like this crazy foreshadowing um because three separate occasions in this movie does Marianne turn around um and then in three separate occasions Eloise disappears from her yeah. life you know yeah kind of foreshadowing and and the symbolism of of those of those moments was really beautiful but it took a second viewing to kind of catch up with it absolutely yeah i mean i could talk about this movie all day but i think i've got four happy tears moments that talk about the the big scenes okay so i'm happy to to dive into that part of it now or unless you've got something else in mind no let's 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 go there uh, all right first happy tears moment i literally just cried it's it's the second time ever and the first time in the last couple of weeks it's crazy that it's happened to me so in such a short period of time but i cried simply because of the sheer visual beauty of a shot yeah there's probably a little bit of emotional subtext to it that also got to me but a lot of it was just like that is stunning and for me it's the bonfire scene yeah and so we are at this this seems like a friday night hangout (laughs) at this bonfire there's all these women kind of out some of them are picnicking 
pick. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really understand the context of that, but they they decide to go, and um, these this group of women kind of start up this musical number. It's one of the very few musical numbers that we've talked about. These moments in this movie, these women start this otherworldly kind of creepy at first you think it's some sort of weird score thing like something terrible is about to happen and then turns into this evocative like chant this hymnal something right mm -hmm. and uh we get this image marianne and eloise are on the opposite sides of this bonfire and we watch from marianne's point of view as Eloise kind of turns and looks at her and we see her image kind of warping through the, the fumes of this bonfire and, and something about it, because it's this overpowering otherworldly music mm -hmm. that in any other context would not fit in this movie at all, because this movie is so naturalistic in the way that it uses its storytelling. Right. Um, but so it's this crazy musical moment with this beautiful shot of this like I, I almost read it as like especially because they haven't had any interaction romantic interaction up to this point it's been like longing looks here and there and you know things like that it was almost like the fire of hell was between them right there's so much subtext to this beautiful moment of distance between them there's the fiery passion that also is some evocative of or representative of this this kind of hell at least that's the way i read it and uh i i just thought that moment was an incredible piece of filmmaking i guess it uh kind of ties into the the orpheus myth again in that particular scene which i never really thought about just the nature of the like the underworld and right i, I thought that scene was was really incredible even though it's kind of it's kind of disorienting and unsettling but it's also the voices are beautiful and but it is so it sticks out so much and um i don't know i i, I definitely had a kind of visceral reaction to that scene because of the it's kind of sensory overload a little bit with the uh with the sound that you haven't been hearing any of throughout right. and then magneticism between the, the characters uh, can I give you another Happy Tears moment? Yes. Oh, this is the only other one I have that doesn't really have anything to do with the ending. The abortion scene mm -hmm. is absolutely devastating, and it's so cringy. <laughs> you know, the fact that Sophie... Hey, well, I guess there's several abortion scenes because they attempt yeah. in many ways that are also cringy, and it, it's tough to watch some of it. Um, but the, the like final one where she goes to this lady's house and the lady tells her to lay down on the bed and she starts performing an abortion while a babe, a literal live baby is right there like cooing and like at some point like is like grabbing the girl's hand. It's it's and very – yeah. yeah, like the – it is absolutely devastating and heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it's something – it's another – like this is another moment that as a man, I've never had this experience. And it, and, and it's another reason I love this movie because it's, it's just unlocking these little doors in my mind. But like 
it's a, it is a physical embodiment of every something every woman who's ever even considered an abortion has had to go through in terms of physically like uh, killing something right like and and I know there's a lot of political whatever around abortion but in terms of like when does life begin and all that I'm not going to get into any of that but <laughs> the idea of as a man whether it's fair or not and it's not fair but like in a lot of ways the idea of abortion is like I'm going to use the word kind of theoretical to a man like I've never had to sit down and and consider the physical aspect of it because yeah. it's, it's just like never something that's occurred to me I, I I've never had to go through that and to sit here and watch this scene where a woman is perf- having an abortion performed and has to look at a baby look at the thing that she is rejecting sort of in her own life was absolutely devastating and kind of it just kind of unlocked a thing in my brain that I'm sad to say I just had never had to consider or experience and uh it it was very heartbreaking that scene was super impactful for sure the I mean like you said there was other there's other instances of they tried different methods for that and and then I, I thought what there was a really kind of touching moment after that was that the they set up this scene together to paint this like thing that they all experienced together and could know because they were all in like a similar like obviously the the two main characters weren't pregnant but they all had the same sort of position in, in society and and probably would have I don't know if it was like this solidarity exercise of like paint it was just like the next scene was just a really beautiful like um empathetic i guess exercise of of painting that that scene so it was just like just like a beautiful scene as well yeah i agree um the rest of my happy tear stuff is all have to do with the ending do you have what else what else do you want to talk about there was one i just remember one like having just this a slight uh creeping moment and it was just an exchange between and like the look on between the two characters and a look on their uh their faces and then like recognizing the circumstances when Eloise is t- uh talking to Marianne about painting her in a way that captures kind of the essence of her and not in a way that's sterile surface beauty but cuz cuz Marianne is like ex- tries to explain i guess that that those are like for the purposes of this painting, those things are fleeting that this painting's supposed to last uh, and kind of be this unified uh, depiction of you. And she is saying, uh, right. Uh, it doesn't capture the, the feelings that she's has in that, that moment and stuff. I just, I thought that exchange was just really, really beautiful and really important for the characters to have. And so, and you get a great line there. Uh, going back to the script where she said, you know, Marianne gets kind of offended that she doesn't like the painting. She goes, I don't know you were an art critic. And she said, well, I didn't know you were a painter. <laughs> and damn. Yeah. It's perfect. And she, yeah, she just, she says something else like not all things are fleeting. Oh, yeah. Great line. That just once you know the the end and their fate is just makes, you know, that much more of a a beautiful line like seeing it a second time around especially is it time it's time to go into the the, <laughs> the three-part finale of this film yeah so all right 
I like that you said three parts. What are the three parts of this of this ending? Uh, so you have it's you know Eloise's time to wed, and Mariana's done and leaving, and you get that you know the moment that reflects the Orpheus Eurydice myth, and that she Eloise calls back to or calls to Marianne. She looks back and has to leave, and it kind of you see Eloise, and it cuts to complete darkness right yeah so the so the moment that they actually parted ways correct yeah um which is which is oh uh, just tears you apart because they're in the room with eloise's mother and can't be affectionate and then so she like rushes out the door she doesn't know what to do and that moment where she's where she says turn around it's just stunning it just blows me away every time yeah so obviously was that's that was the start of the uh the the flood coming and then and then you have the following scene where marianne is kind of winding her way through this art exhibit and uh, she has a particular painting there and then she notices on the other side of the room that there's this painting of what you can tell is an older Eloise with a child. It has this look like it has the look on her face. It, it's like she is expressing what her years have been like to Marianne in that moment or something. It's like a, yeah, an incredible depiction of her. And then she's holding, you know, this book open to, she's holding the book <laughs> 28 to the, to page 28, which it's just Ugh. that destroyed me. <laughs> I'm a puddle. <laughs> when you see page 28, because if if you're here and you've seen the movie, you remember that uh, Eloise wanted a, a painting of of Marianne, so she grabbed the book and said, "Pick a number." She said 28 and drew a picture of herself on page 28. And just the fact that. You know that she's gone through all these years. We don't know how long it's been or anything like that, but that this very—I mean, the actual—the main portion of this movie, the the time that they spent together, is less than two weeks in the span of you know a life. And so it's this how just the fact that they went through this this very short affair when they were young and how much that that obviously much still mean to Eloise and to both of them. But like the fact that, cause the, what I think about is she told the portrait artist, I'm going to hold this book in this portrait and I need you to show that it's on page 28. Right. And you can't ask me why I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> right. Right. It's super intentional. And, and, uh, and obviously no one else would know it, know what that means. Right. It's just like, ah, uh, it's, and it's, yeah, just so beautiful and devastating. And then, yeah, and then, and then what? You, you've done. Well, so I'm just saying, the... and this is just to make it clear for those who are listening probably have, have seen it, but all of this is like, this, the pace of the film has sped up so much. So your emotions are increasing rapidly. Yeah, right. The, because like, most of this movie is very, uh, kind of a, a a slow burn, and then the the act of her leaving, and then kind of roaming through this, 
and then uh or, or then this art gallery and then the following scene it's described as like that she did see her twice after the first time being in the art gallery and the second being at this concert she was watching Eloise and she didn't see her but you you see um I believe it's Vivaldi's summer that's playing and it's just a really dramatic piece of music and the strings are very emotive and and fast and big sounding and and the reaction of Eloise hearing this just going through all of these you get this close-up of her going through all of these different emotions that she goes through slowly throughout the film kind of compacted into one scene right it's like the call me by your name method of ending a movie almost (laughs) right worth noting that this particular piece of music was featured early in the movie where um marianne was trying to describe what an orchestra was like to Eloise, who had never heard anything but church music, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, just the fact that this music, I'm sure to her, is 100% just connected to Marianne. For all we know, this is now the first time she has seen or heard the orchestra. Maybe not, but everything that you just said and all of these other pieces it's just a wonderful way to to wrap up this story because it brings in so much of the rest of it the the previous parts right and it i mean it ties in the audience as well right like you are you're kind of losing your breath and feeling these things as well and then this music is like overwhelming and it's loud and you haven't heard especially in the theater it was like envelops you with this absolutely this sound and i'm sure if you had a camera on me i would have looked (laughs) a lot like eloise just like going through several emotions over the course of this musical piece playing out and what you see is it's like this slow we start far away from eloise it's the slow push right and that method of of shooting that was was particularly evocative as well. It will just hold a special place and kind of in my film catalog and like I'm thinking of movies like like the Before Trilogy where you just have this incredible relationship on screen and a ton of subtle moments that you just hold on to and kind of cherish. This just has that sort of energy and, and those moments to it that I um, will just keep going. I can just keep going back to just to watch even though I know I know what happens, right? But I'll, I think it'll hold a special place for me. The good thing is, is that we will be getting a Criterion Collection version of this. Yeah. This will be released as a part of the Criterion Collection, which is pretty cool because that doesn't happen too often where the films are announced as a part of the collection before they're actually released. So I think that is awesome and it comes with some pretty cool special features. 
Well, um, yeah, this movie's great. Everyone needs to go watch it. It's on Hulu. If you don't have Hulu, I will send you my login to watch this movie. So, uh, hit me up. Hit Nick up, yeah. <laughs> you for listening to happy tears happy tears is produced by nick melita that's me and brandon henry that's me you can find more information as well as this episode show notes at happytearspod.com you can find us on twitter you can find us on instagram you can find us on facebook we're all over you can give us five star review at apple podcasts what else can they do brandon follow our playlist on spotify titled happy tears mixtape where we toss some songs that we talk about on the podcast Original theme music by Homage. You can catch him at www.youtube.com slash Homage Beats or at Homage Beats on Instagram. Like I mentioned at the top, we are figuring out how to do this during the COVID-19 era. (laughs) And uh, we have some things planned for the podcast. Uh, We're going to try to make it get back to doing this weekly and treating the world like normal in a weird way. I guess not, but we're going to keep making the podcast. That's what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. And and we talked about at the beginning uh, some of those listening parties that we will try to continue those. What I would do is make sure you're following Happy Tears on Instagram and uh, we've been posting kind of t- times and stuff for uh, and directions for those in our story. So stay tuned. That is it for this week on Happy Tears. Stay safe. Stay home. And wash your hands. Farewell!